Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to the Capital City Soccer Show, your independent source for everything Austin FC. Today, we're going to give you a few little updates about Austin FC, but the majority of this episode is going to be an interview with Weston Applefeller, who's the Senior Director of Grounds for Austin FC. Uh, so we're going to talk a lot about grass, but um, it's it's a very good interview and I'm really excited about it. Grass doesn't sound like the most exciting topic, but we've had a lot of listeners tell us that they're really excited to hear this interview and I don't think it's going to disappoint. So um, excited for you guys to hear that. My name is Landon Cottom. I'm joined as always by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Jeremiah, how's it going, man? Hey, man, it's going good, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. And one of the things that we did not talk about recently was the uh that the fact that the club is doing now monthly supporters group calls and were you on the last one i wasn't i had to work during it well, how dare you like i thought i thought we were professional <laughs> podcasters now we're just i know right rolling in the cash how, how'd it go tell tell us about yeah, it yeah so we had so uh this one was with was a surprise guest uh it was adrian healy so the first half of the show was adrian healy and i don't think he will i don't think he'll give me a hard time about this but i, I asked james ruth afterwards how it went and he's like there's no pressure like being the guy who has to interview Adrian Healy, right? Because of his <laughs> voice and who he is and whatever. Um, but it was good. There's probably a hundred people on that call, so it wasn't quite McConaughey level call. But I think I believe you know they're going to do that every like once a month. That's the plan. And so like I'm excited that that they've agreed to to get excited about it, engaging with fans so early, and that'll that'll be an ongoing thing. I think it's a really good. Um, position for for you know us and for the fans to really know that the care that the club cares about that and they're involved in that yeah i guess guess that's a way to adapt right because there were there were quite a few fan focused events beforehand there was just fewer uh fewer stars to bring out and introduce to people so like i guess we had like claudio and josh here before the pandemic started but a lot of these other people have come since then so doing the zoom calls is kind of a way to Instead of going and having having an event at a bar and a Q&A or whatever, join a Zoom call, get to talk to Adrian Healy for a bit. And um, yeah, it's it's not as cool as meeting him as, in person. But like you said, it's it's a really good sign that they are taking these steps and thinking about engaging with fans and and planning these events to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's a lot simpler too, right? Because with all these meetups, you had to decide, am I going to go to South Austin? Or if you live in South Austin, am I going to make the drive north? But you know, these Zoom calls, you just drop right in. So it's not the same, but there's really an advantage to that too. So um, that's I, th- I think it's good that they're doing that. And I feel like that's also a good reason for, I would imagine that anybody that listens to this show is probably a member of a supporters group already. But if you're not, find one, join one. I believe that Troy has written a pretty good article uh, on Cap City Soccer that lists all the supporters groups of Austin FC. So check that out. All right, let's jump into the few little bits of Austin FC news that we have for today. So, uh, Jeremiah, how about you tell us about this, The some new news about the 4ATX Foundation? Yeah, the 4ATX Foundation has been doing a lot of work, and the most recent project that they announced is that they are working with Austin Parks Foundation on restoring soccer goals around the city, um, which is which is good. I mean, it's a real, it's real soccer. It's a real MLS thing to do. I feel like every club does that, but it's good to see that they're they're out and doing that. And if you've ever been to a park and seen, you know, either a soccer goal or a basketball net, usually they're in desperate need of repair. So yeah. it, it's good. It's good that they're, they're doing that and helping out. Uh, something else that, that we got a first glimpse at is, um, we are Austin TV posted this, but they've 
been turning on lights inside the stadium right now. Do you know why they're doing that? Is there, are they just testing the lights or what is that about? I mean, I think right now they're testing the lights and there was also a tweet from one somebody that worked for the electrical contractor that like showed yeah. it, you know, <laughs> right? That showed, I think it's Schmidt Electric, I think. I don't, I don't remember who the guy is, so I apologize and hopefully he'll let us know who he is there. Um, but yeah, I think they're testing it out and I assume that that's going to be connected to the interview where, you know, they're going to need, they're going to need light. Once they put the turf in, they're going to need some lighting like inside the stadium in, in the evening. Yeah. Um, speaking of the stadium, the construction cam is now fixed at an angle where you can kind of see into one of the corners and we'll talk about this in, in the interview with Weston a little bit more, but you can see them preparing that, that playing surface for grass to be put on, on top of it. So here pretty soon, we're going to start seeing green strips of grass being laid out. So it's one step closer to a ball being kicked on the field, which means it's, it's a good time to be alive in Austin. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we get that inside, right? Hopefully at some point that whole thing comes inside and we can have like a grass level yeah, that's you know, cam or something. We're going to we give Brock Williams a shout out in the in the interview, but he he keeps having these Twitter crusades where the first one was to for MLS to use ATX as the abbreviation for Austin. And we've seen signs. We don't have this official yet, but we've seen signs that that's going to be the case. So he ticked that one off and his next crusade is for there to be a camera inside of the stadium so that we can watch the grass being installed and so um we'll yeah we'll, we'll see if if he can achieve this one but it'd be really cool to have a camera affixed to either like the in the supporter section or like to the to the stadium roof looking down on it while they're installing the grass because that would be a really cool view to have of all that so while we're on the topic of grass i think it's a good time to just transition into our interview with weston applefeller so like i said before it's uh it's it's a really engaging interview and Jeremiah and I don't know a lot of groundskeepers, but uh, Weston is extremely personable and and much more interesting than you would expect a typical groundskeeper to be. So I really think you guys are going to enjoy this. So we'll we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with that interview. We want to take a minute to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also like to ask you to take our listener survey. You can find a link in the show notes. Uh, we mentioned it on the last show and got some really good input. And so we would love to hear from more people. We would really appreciate this feedback because it gets us a little bit closer to making the show that you want to hear. Today's guest is Weston Applefeller, the Senior Director of Grounds for Austin FC. Weston, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So give us just a, a brief overview of, of your background and how you got into this line of work. Yeah, it's a uh, long story. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I pretty much knew what I wanted to be since the time I was in eighth grade. I uh, wanted to be a, a groundskeeper. Um, I love sports. And about that time, I knew that I'd never make it uh, out of high school playing them. So I uh, started looking for something different and realized that uh, it's a real job to be a groundskeeper. Um, went to uh, Ohio State University for uh, turf grass science. Um, while there, I worked for the Ohio State grounds crew. Um, first year there was the year they won the national championship. And from that point on, I was pretty much hooked. Um, uh, did an internship with the Red Sox going through there. Graduated college, got a job uh, uh, with the Columbus crew. Um, 
within the first two years of being there, I got offered a position with the Red Sox and uh, went up to Fenway Park as a assistant groundskeeper up there for about three, three and a half years, somewhere in there. Um, had our daughter and needed to get out of uh, the baseball hours. And, uh, and during that time, and, uh, and got offered to go down to Philadelphia Union right after they opened PPL Park or whatever it is, Subaru Park now, I guess. Um, and, uh, and went down there for seven months. And then the position opened up in Columbus and went back there at the start of 2012 with a crew. And then uh, was lucky enough to get uh, asked to come be the groundskeeper for Austin FC at the uh, beginning of 2019. So it's pretty much circles it around at this point. Cool. Uh, so are you, were you a soccer fan growing up? Like why did you end up in soccer specifically? Uh, I wasn't, I was a baseball fan. Uh, I wanted to be a baseball groundskeeper. Um, I, I'm from a tiny town of like 500 people. We didn't have soccer at any level. Um, and uh, I think once in college, I went to a, a MLS game, um, dollar brat night or something or another <laughs> dollar beer night. Um uh, and, uh, applied for probably 10 different baseball jobs, whether it be major league baseball or minor league baseball and didn't get a single call back. Um, and, uh, and then applied, uh, and with the, with the crew and, and got, uh, got that job out of college. So, um, it just kind of luck. It found me. So cool. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge soccer fan though. I don't, I don't know much about it. Um, and I know, you know, obviously what's going on uh, with our club and, and know the players and that sort of thing. But if I'm watching it, I, I don't understand a lot of the, the game. So still, how much, so. how much of your time do you spend like watching the game? I mean, like what's, what's the regular routine during a match for you? Like, are you actually, are you paying attention to what's going on? Are you like worried about cleats, like knocking out pieces of turf or like, what's your experience during a match? And I actually just had this conversation. You're in the process of hiring a staff and filling out uh uh, all the positions that we have down here right now and um, in, in that process of, of learning uh, a little bit about the new hires um, and what they like to do, you know, I shared with them that during matches, um, you know, I like to kind of stay away from everybody else. I, I either stand behind a goal or in the corner uh, by myself um, and pretty much for that 90 minutes I'm watching from knees down, um, watching the interaction with the playing surface um, uh, just making sure that everything's running smooth. Um, I kind of get uh, quiet and, and hide more or less and, and try to stay by myself during that time um, and, uh, and just watch what's going on with the, uh, the cleat and surface interaction more than anything. Is, so is that something, would you actually try to do something, say like at halftime of a game with that information or is it more preparation for the coming week and preparing for that next, the next game that's going to um, happen? Both. Uh, obviously, if we had something that happened, uh, you know, a, a player um, takes a slide and takes out a, a big divot, we'd come out and try to fix that during uh, the game, whether it be at halftime or um, during stoppage. Um, but uh, most of it is is um, food for thought for what's to come. So um, trying to always get better. And, and you can learn a lot while you're standing there, uh, just staring off into space, more or less. <laughs> So um, you started at Austin FC in early 2019, if I'm not mistaken, and you're one of the yep. one of the earliest employees here in Austin. That doesn't seem like it's probably a, a typical experience for a groundskeeper to have so much time in a job before there's actually a field. Is that is that the case? 
Yeah, I've, uh, I've been getting a lot of uh, a lot of slack from the other guys in the league. Um, <laughs> I've been a groundskeeper without grass here for roughly uh, 20 months now. Um, and uh, I, I, I've had a great gig um, being able to research uh, everything that's uh, we would need to be successful um, as we as we got up and running at the new stadium, the new training facility. Um, I'm, I'm very fortunate to work for uh, for this group um, and, and our ownership group cares so much about uh, having a good quality pitch. And uh, it's exciting and fun to, to be part of it. So, I mean, you, but you you sorry, had little ahead. bits of grass though, right? Like I have I have a friend who's a pot- <laughs> who she's she's they're a potential sponsor. And she's like, no, they have grass. Like I've been to their office. They're like little pieces of grass lying all around. Yeah. Can you can you talk a little about that? Yeah, it started out uh, started out just getting a couple samples and uh, and seeing how they grew. Uh, it ended up at the end of it. Um, I think with the beginning of this uh, the COVID pandemic here, I, I brought home nine samples from the office. And so um, 18 by 24 inch um, trays that I bought at Home Depot. Uh, they had six inches of uh, root zone that I stole from every uh, every different sports team in uh, in a 150 mile radius. Uh, uh, just everywhere I'd go, I'd visit a site and I'd take a bucket with me and say, "Can I have some sand?" And I'd bring it back and I'd get an, an another sample going. So at uh, one point, I had a grow light operating in the office, um, seeing how that interaction would go. Um, it's just, you know, you pull around to the back patio at the office and we had a ton of different samples going. So, so you, you say like it was essentially research period, right? And so at the end of all this research and trying to decide what was going to work, what we ended up with was seashore paspalum. Am I saying that correctly? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Paspalum. Yep. So it's, uh, what, what was it about seashore paspalum that, that made it the grass for Austin FC? Um, it, it wasn't necessarily what it was about the grass. It was what the stadium has that we have to endure. Um, you know, the cool thing about, uh, about the stadium in Macala is the, the, the roof that we have over top of it. Um, you know, we designed a stadium for fan comfort and, uh, part of that is, is shade. Um, we have, we have, uh, one of the biggest roofs in the MLS and, and one of the areas that's the hardest to grow grass, uh, given shade. Uh, you know, Texas is not, uh, not kind for, um, you know, having the opportunity to grow, uh, a good grass with, or good shade grass, I guess. Bermuda grass is, is terrible option when it has, when you have a lot of shade. Um, and, and because of that, we started looking at other options, talked a lot with the baseball stadiums that play in, uh, retractable domes. Uh, so Houston Astros, uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks at the time, the Miami Marlins at the time, uh, and those those were all places that had Bermuda grass at one point, and um, they had all switched out to the variety of grass that we have: the platinum tee, seashore paspal. Um, it it really became the only option at the point. Once we started getting the shade studies back from the stadium and realizing that you know there's portions of the field that won't see natural sunlight from October till April, um, and in order to be able to grow grass, we had to think outside the box. Uh, and uh, once really uh, the 2022 World Cup uh, it decided that they were going to play with this grass. We knew it could withstand the heat, um, and, uh, and it's a good soccer grass. They've done years of testing on it, um, and they come out with that variety. So here we are, the first uh, Major League Soccer team to use this. So, so you um, you mentioned the the canopy. So it's 
going to be the second largest canopy in MLS, uh, twice the size of Houston Dynamo's canopy and five times the size of FC Dallas's canopy. So you mentioned the challenges that that's going to bring for you. What are, are, are there going to be any kind of supplemental lighting that's going to be going on to be able to keep that grass growing when you need it to? Yeah. Um, so we got, uh, we got all kinds of technology that we're going to be playing with, uh, at the stadium, which is great. Um, and one of those is the supplemental lighting and those units come in a couple of weeks ago. Um, we'll get those up and running probably a week or two after the sod goes down. Um, and they'll help, um, uh, keep the grass growing. It's similar to what's used in uh, all the European EPL teams. Um, there's some MLS teams that now currently have them, which is, uh, great, uh, shows the league is moving forward quite a bit as far as the technology aspect goes. Um, we also have huge turbine fans to keep the air movement at the surface. We have, um, walk mowers, uh, 34 inch walk mowers, which is something that, you know, it, I'm not accustomed to doing is walk mowing the field, but it's limiting the, uh, amount of traffic, um, from an equipment standpoint helps grow grass in the shade. Um, you know, we have all kinds of stuff that's, uh, we're going to have to be able to use, uh, and help make us successful. So we're pretty excited about that side of things. I wanted to ask, you mentioned digging up, uh, sand from all the stadiums around or everybody yeah. that has something. And so, and I, I also read, uh, an article, I, it was on some turf blog, which I didn't realize existed until I went out and researched you and apparently you've written a bunch for him, but like, can you talk about that community and maybe people you've relied on or teams you've relied on or sort of how that works to help create the best yeah. field that we can possibly make here? Yeah. It, uh, it's actually funny moving out of the Midwest down to Texas. I, I would say probably the most amount of uh, friends that I've made over my career, um, are in Texas. So, you know, Texas A&M has a lot of really good groundskeepers. University of Texas has some really good groundskeepers. Um, Dell Diamond, I've gotten to know those guys really, uh, really well. So making friends with the neighbors has become uh, extremely important. And, uh, it's like a small family more or less. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's great to be able to walk down to, you know, the University of Texas campus and meet with those guys and learn from, um, hopefully, you know, I can, I can get something from them, but I can tell you it wasn't just in Texas. Um, at one point I counted and I talked to 34 different people from around the country. There's sorry, 34 different States. I talked to groundskeepers about this project. Um, and so I literally did nothing but sit in the office for the last year and a half and try to research how to be successful down here. Um, and, uh, you know, you can take something from everyone, uh, and, uh, and we hope we can do that. So the, the groundskeeper community from, from what I'm hearing from you seems to be a pretty tight knit group of people and kind of a well-connected group of people is, are there like famous ground groundskeepers that like everyone knows, like these, these people are the best at what they do. Yeah, I think so. Um, there are at least people that I look up to, um, uh, you know, I think probably the most famous groundskeeper in the world is a guy named Paul Burgess. It's a Real Madrid. Um, in November, Paul actually come to Austin and, and toured our site. Oh, wow. Um, and so, um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of different groundskeepers from around the world. Um, and, and the good thing about them is they're all approachable. Um, you can pick up the phone at any day and call somebody from overseas or, you know, I could call the person at the Green Bay Packers. I could call, you know, I was texting today with a couple different uh, colleagues from around the league. And so it's, uh, it's, a, a good career to be in. Um, absolutely enjoy it and have a lot of good close friends in it. And thankfully everybody's willing to share advice because we're all in this together to try to make the safest 
possible fields for the athletes. So let's let's jump into kind of the the process that it, the the stage that we're in now. So let's can can you walk us through the process from the grass being grown in Arizona all the way to the installation here in Austin? What is that process going to look yeah. like? So basically, after we realized that you know platinum te paspalum was the the way to go, started looking around at different places that could grow it, and it's extremely rare grass. And because of that, there really was only um, three places we could buy it um, in the country. One of them's in Georgia. Uh, one of them's actually in East Texas, and it was a farm that was just starting out and, and, and hadn't even started growing it yet. Um, and then there was a, another one that uh, was in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, and uh, when we started talking to you know the different farms, we felt the most comfortable with the Scottsdale, Arizona farm. Um, and, and what we actually did is we laid down an inch and a quarter uh, of sand that matched our profile that we have at the stadium and at the training facility and grew it into that. Um, so in April 15th, they laid down um, what's called sprigs, which are just little pieces of, of, of grass um, of, of our platinum. Uh, and, and six months later, we had a full, well, basically eight weeks later, we had a full field, um, but we let it mature for six months. Um, and now we're at the point where um, we just harvested the grass for St. David's Performance Center, the first team fields. Um, so we have two fields that the uh, or two pitches that the the first team will play on that match the stadium. So those just moved their way to Austin last Thursday, and we're continuing in that process where we're at right now. And then in a couple of weeks, we'll uh, we'll move the the rest of the sod from out there into the stadium, and uh, and then start taking care of it there. So. I think we're at somewhere around 28 trucks right now at the training facility have made it. We have a total of 34. So um, we're almost there. I think it's another 16 that's going to come in for the, uh, the stadium pitch. So um, it's a, it's getting real now. Is there like um once, once they're on, like the, the rolls are on the truck, is there, does the clock start ticking? Like, can they only sit on there for a certain amount of time? Like, what does that timeline look like? Yeah, that's a stressful period of time. Um, yeah, they're on a, it's a refrigerated truck. So basically they're coming out of the heat in Arizona. We're putting them in a, a truck that is at 40 degrees. Um, and then they're, they're making their way to Austin and with the department of transportation, uh, rules for truck drivers, there's a break period that has to happen in there. And so, uh, it's, it becomes a really tight timeline to make sure we can get it here. Um, we had a few rolls on the first couple of days that, um, had a little bit of damage from it. Um, they heated up a little bit. Uh, it's actually grown out of it. It's, it's doing really well. Um, but by day three, we had it really dialed in. Uh, we were able to cut 12 hours off the trucking coming in. Um, in the last three or four days, the spot has been phenomenal. So hopefully, um, it's a good learning experience. And by the time we get to the stadium, every roll is going to come in and look perfect. Um, but, uh, it, it's a stressful period. Um, when you have a grass sitting on a truck for almost two days, um, rolled up and a hundred foot long roll, uh, four foot wide. So, yeah. So what, so what do you roll it out with when you, when you get it in? They have a special machine. Uh, the West Coast Turf, who grew our sod, um, uh, has a, a special machine that they roll it out with when they get here. Um, and so it'll, it'll take the rolls. It's basically kind of the opposite of what they pick it up with. They have a, a machine that rolls it up, and then they have a machine that unrolls it. Um, and uh, it's, it's quite the process. Uh, we're, we're laying it out. It's a half an inch thick right now. We're laying it on top of our sand. Um, and we're, you know, five to six days into this process of putting it into the training facility. And we already have it rooting in 
and it, it's taken off and it's doing extremely well at this point. So, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of a relief to be honest with you. It's been a pretty stressful week and a lot of hours and, uh, and we're pretty excited with where we're at right now. So. I actually got on West Coast Turf's website earlier today and they have some yeah. videos of those machines in action. So we'll, yeah. we'll grab one of those videos and put them in the show notes so the listeners can, yeah. can check that out. That's awesome. And, and, and they have a, a guy out there that's basically the head groundskeeper. He is so into this project. This has been his, uh, his name's Jay Danik. This has been his baby for the last six months. Um, and, uh, you know, I was just talking with him the other day and asked him if he was going to be sad to see it, it leave uh, out there. Um, he, he, he assured me that it's just part of the process and he's gotten used to it at this point, but, uh, he's definitely an Austin FC fan at this point. So we're excited <laughs> to have it. So on the construction cams now, you can see all the, the little trucks and people moving around hither and yon and doing all this stuff. What exactly are they doing? Are there is like different layers of, of earth they're putting yeah. down and what, what exactly is that process? Yeah. So essentially what, uh, what is underneath the grass is, uh, um, about 15 inches down there's drainage pipe, six inch drainage pipe that is ran, um, in a North to South pattern every 10 feet. Um, those go back into a big, uh, vault in the backside of the stadium that takes the water off. Um, but above that pipe is four inches of, of like a pea gravel, uh, 10 inches of a custom uh, sand root zone that is specifically designed to be able to hold together well, but be able to drain water out, but also be able to hold some moisture at certain times when we are in the droughty period uh, of the summer down here. Um, and then on top of that goes the grass. So um, imagine if you took the grass off, you basically have a beach. Um, and so we have a beach underneath the grass and, and, um, and that's the process that's going out now. So if you get on the webcam and you look out and you see it, um, they have the sand that's being pushed around. That'll be le- uh, laser leveled to be, uh, completely smooth. Um, no slope at all in the field. And, um, and, and so they're in that process right now. Uh, we got a little bit more work to do there. It's coming along, but, uh, we're getting close. So. It's a long process, but we're getting close. Are, are you able to share the timeline with us as to when when they'll start laying sod in the stadium and when that will be done? I'd love to be able to. Um, unfortunately, right now, it's just so um, uh, fluid. Um, there's so many factors that have to happen, uh, right? Like, um, you know, you have to make sure the irrigation set right. And you have to make sure that, um, you know, the soils the, got the correct moisture, what you want to do. Um, I will say we're probably within three to four weeks, but I, I don't know the specific day at this point. Um, we're getting close though. I want to, I want to ask about grass gone bad for a minute. So as a, as a Cowboys <laughs> fan, um, and as somebody who saw, uh, USA beat Mexico two at the Alamo dome on like this awful sliding, you know, like what, what is that when you see stuff like that, how do you react? And, and what do you think when you see just like a really, like a really poorly laid or really thin surface? Yeah, that's a tough question because, um, you know, I think you guys see it and you think, oh, it's a terrible surface. I see it and feel bad for the groundskeeper that's taking care of it. Um, there's so many factors that are out of the control of a person in my position, right? Like there could have been events all week or, you know, if it's grass inside of a dome, you don't know what the moisture level is. Um, the humidity could play a factor. And, um, I'll, I'll be honest. It, it's it's one of the hardest things um, you can do as a groundskeeper because everybody wants to point out the fields that are good. Everybody wants to point out the fields that are bad. And then when you get asked about the ones that are bad, 
you don't want to respond to it because at any given point you feel like you could be that. It's like a <laughs> knock on wood kind yeah. of situation, right? Like you don't want to ever say anything bad because you might be there at some point. So, um, uh, you feel for him and that's, I mean, you, you, your heart goes out and you're like, Oh, I hope to God that's never me at some point, but, uh, you cringe. Well, as a Cowboys fan, I just assume it's like Jerry Jones's fault. You know, anytime something <laughs> happens there, but, but, um, I, I'd like to say it's somebody else's fault. Uh, sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, if you want to blame Jerry Jones, that's fine. <laughs> but yeah. And that does like, so, I mean, you know, our, our stadium, like the plan is to have other events. So what, what kinds of things do you do to help knowing that that's going to happen? Like what, what are your you know, how, how do you help like insulate against that um, just for the long term? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a planning process. You part of it is communication or the, the biggest part of it is communication. So talking with the people that are playing in the event, what they're trying to achieve out of it, uh, letting them know the goals of what you need to have happen in the process. Um, you know, making sure you have the proper tools to be successful. Um, you know, a concert, you have to have the proper flooring. You have to. Uh, make sure the grass is as healthy as possible going into it. it. It honestly, you know, a concert, you start planning for that from taking care of the field about a month early. Um, you know, it's got to have the right nutrients going into it um, to be able to grow out of the damage uh, that, that does incur. Uh, you know, you just, you try to make sure that no matter what happens, you're set, you plan for the worst and you hope for the best. And, um, and that's how you deal with those extra events. I, I actually like extra events. I think they're great. Um, they're new challenge. They're fun. It's something different. Um, you get used to the same old thing, uh, and, uh, and having a concert or having, um, some different kind of sporting event is, it's fun. What are the structural steps that would be taken for, say there's going to be a concert at McCalla place. What, what would you actually do, um, to protect the grass during the concert and then like, is there like, you said a special floor, is there, would there actually be like yeah. a surface laid over the grass? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, a few different companies that make different concert flooring out there. And typically what it is, is a, a translucent flooring. So it gets a little bit of sunlight through it. It sets about an inch and a quarter to an inch and a half off the grass, some kind of a grid system underneath it. And it just raises it up and gives the grass enough room to breathe underneath it. Um, it could hold up to traffic depending on which one you get. It could hold up to car traffic or forklift traffic. Um, uh, but you want to have it down as little amount of time as possible. So you say a night before a show or maybe two nights before a show, you put it down, cover the whole field. It takes about six hours to cover. Um, it's down for 48 hours. You have the concert. As soon as the concert's over, you start picking it up and you, you, at that point you start going into recovery mode. Um, it keeps the grass from getting trampled. Um, but you still have, you know, things that make it through that flooring that could kill off small areas and you may have to replace those or, um, you know, typically what we see is some yellowing that would come from that. Uh, and within a week, grass starts greening back up and can't tell that you have it. Um, but I mean, there's some examples though that, you know, the grass just dies and you have to replace it. And that's unfortunate, but, uh, the sod farm technology that's out there these days, you could replace sod and play a game on it the next night. So, um, you know, we've come a long way in, in, as an industry and in sports turf industry. And, and uh, one of the good things is, it, you know, that made it go that way is the events and, and working through this. So on replace, I was going to ask on replacements, like where do you, 
do you have extra grass just laying around in yeah. rolls or at the office or like how do you <laughs> how do you do that? It's a it's a good question. Um, we have a couple different places. We'll have a small sod farm behind the stadium, uh, and we're planning for that. That's you know for certain things like bull mouse or a small referee run area or the players warm up at the end of the pitch. Um, we also have another area at the training facility that is a warm up area along the side of the fields. Uh, the first team pitches up there, and uh, we can pull from there. Uh, it's the exact same root zone. We can use that. Um, but we do have a little bit of extra grass that will be grown in Arizona for a short period of time. So as we go through the construction process, if we have some that doesn't make it, we can we can pull from that stock. Uh, but um, there's a really good farm that is uh, down in Georgia that actually grows our exact sod on, on plastic, which makes it a little bit stronger and hold, be, be able to change out relatively quickly and still be able to play on it. And any sod replacement would come out of that farm. That's the same sod that we have is what the Houston Astros have. And that's where they get their sod from. So I would be uh, remiss not to, to get a question in from our friend Brock Williams. So Brock Williams yeah. is super into what you're doing right now. <laughs> and I, I've seen on social media. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. He's going to be thrilled to know that you that you've caught his eye or he's <laughs> caught your eye. So uh, he he wanted to know what is your favorite kind of grass and why is it Kentucky bluegrass? Oh, that's a good question. Kentucky bluegrass is you know one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite grasses. Um, it, uh, is, he's absolutely right. It is Kentucky bluegrass. It's what I grew up on. It's, it's <laughs> you know, what was in my home lawn when I was, uh, you know, in eighth grade starting out. Um, it just looks great. It, it plays great. Uh, by all accounts, and I've heard this from a few different soccer players, it's, it's their actual, their favorite grass to play on if it's cut short enough. So they can get long and, and make the ball move pretty slow. Um, I keep telling people down here, you know, that haven't seen the past poem, it is Kentucky bluegrass. It looks a lot like it. The leaves look a lot like it, but it's just shorter. And so I'm hoping that we can harness uh, a little bit of that, that feel for the players. Um, and, and, and they, I hope they like it. Uh, but uh, we're, uh, we're going to find out pretty soon. So one more, one more person whose question I wanted to ask is, uh, my father-in-law who is a, a <laughs> cotton farmer and also has Ooh. a master's degree in horticulture. And okay. he wanted to know what like the, uh, the off season looked like, like, do you winterize it or like, what do you do with the grass in the, in the winter season or like in the off season? I think those are two separate, uh, two separate points of my career, right? When I was up in the North, we had a winter. And uh, we had an off season, um, but I think, you know, down here in Austin, the grass never really stops growing, or at least we hope not. Um, and so we're not going to have much of an off season. Um, yes, you try to get breaks. You try to do the a little bit of rest in here and there. You use up any kind of vacation that you can possibly get in the off season. Um, part of that is, um, you know, letting the grass do the same thing. You know, often we're the biggest, um, uh, I guess the word I'm looking for is we're the, the biggest enemy of the grass. We do the most damage. Um, a groundskeeper's uh, it has a hard time keeping off the grass. So we're either mowing or we're aerifying or we're doing something that's called verticutting, uh, which, which rips through the grass and, and, and thins it out. Um, we're beating the grass up most of the time that, in order to make it stronger. Um, the off-season gives us a chance to just let it slow down a little bit and let the grass take a break. Um, very much like what we want to do at that exact same time. 
it's nice having a month of December to cool down a little bit and, and reset. Uh, and the grass needs that too. Yeah. So I was going to ask, like, when we get to 2021, like when you when you when we're at our first home match, you know, what does that look like for you? Like, what is success? When you see yourself in the corner, not looking at anybody <laughs> other than below the knees, like, like what, what do you what do you anticipate happening? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I've often thought about that. Um, I tell you what, I'm, I'm extremely excited for that game to be over because then that life goes back to normal. Um, you know, this last year and a half, it's been a whirlwind. I've, I've been in the office more than I could have ever imagined I'd be in the office in my career. Um, then I've worked from home for six months, like everybody else in the world. Um, and then going straight into this construction phase where we're just going nonstop and working late hours or late nights and early mornings and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I cannot wait for the first game to be over. Um, uh, you know, I'm excited about that atmosphere and seeing what that's like and, and, you know, a new stadium and a new surface and the players playing on it. But at that point, we're already going to have trainings on it. We're going to know how it plays. Um, we're going to know what to expect from it. Um, I'm just excited for it to be over <laughs> and then get to week two and, and move forward. So, and, and you know, I think you talk to anybody that's part of the construction process and that's the goal is to get to game one. Um, and it's going to be a huge push to make sure everything's perfect uh, once we get there. But uh, I think we're all excited to, to, to enjoy that, but then also to get through it and start um, building this. All right. I think that's a good place to end it. So Weston, thank you so much for joining us. This has been great. Hey, no problem. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. All right. We want to thank Weston Applefeller one more time for joining us. I really liked that interview and I hope you guys enjoyed it too. We would like to remind you once again to rate and review subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd also like to remind you to visit CapitalCSoccer.com where Troy Bryant and Zach Mason bring you the latest in Austin FC news, including player rumors, sponsorship updates, and more. We'd also like to remind you to go vote. Early voting starts in Texas on October 13th, and you can check out VoteTexas.gov for a link to your county clerk's website and early voting locations. We'll be back soon with more Austin FC and MLS news and maybe an interview. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time.